like why are you writing i'm being challenged by that and you know even if this amazing song is just consumed in a moment in worship between you and god and it serves its purpose and nobody else in the world hears it like that's what it was meant to be and just to be okay with that this is the spirit truth podcast conversations to equip worship teams and songwriters Hi everyone, this is the Spirit Truth Podcast and my name is James, I'm your host and joining me today, I've got one of my very closest friends, Greg Boy. Hello James. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always waiting for an accent to come out when you speak. Uh, uh, We'll leave that for the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's it's such a privilege to have you. Um, I remember when I started this podcast last year that I wanted... Like you were the one that I was really looking forward to, oh, to speaking come to. On. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to everybody else who podcasts with, but I was just like, this is the the high point of my podcasting. Wow, no pressure then. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Um, Greg is like has been a bit of a hero to me from the beginning. So when when I joined so far back in two thousand and four. You were, what were you doing in the band then? Were you leading worship then? 2004 uh, would have been my third year. Uh, probably just starting to lead. Probably not in church, but maybe at like Bible school and on the missions. safe places. And, yeah. <laughs> my making my transition from playing electric guitar without actually being on because I was so terrified to <laughs> actually lead worship. Did you do worship. that in the beginning? I'm pretty sure I did for at least the first six months. <laughs> Yeah, we were playing all those, you know, 90s hill songs with like five chords per syllable. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve the highest Yeah, praise. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, a good friend, Rob Kellerman, would coach me through the songs in the week, but I was still just too terrified of making mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So I got to know you as that electric guitarist who was playing and then the worship leader um, and... Yeah, I really did look and do still look up to you. Uh, but then I think our friendship kind of started with, well, I, I put it down to this to the moment. I was You were once leading in Cape Town at a, a show for Cape Town. <sighs> I remember this moment. You remember? And then you're like, ah, oh, during the during the altar during the offering I'm going to do a song by this band Shane and Shane oh. and I was like <laughs> <laughs> I love Shane and Shane it's the emoji with the two hearts instead of eyes <laughs> and suddenly our our destiny was, <laughs> was forged in iron <laughs> I think our friendship has been built on the foundation of Jesus and Shane and Shane yeah um, in that order. Yes. We we are both big fans and they definitely have influenced, I guess, our, well, my songwriting, yours? Mm. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, especially the live uh, album, that first one, the brown one. Uh, yeah. That's back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, f- from there, we uh, kind of a friendship grew. Uh, when I started working for the church, soon after that, we started with the first Shuffle Band album, Victorious One. But I think you were in South Korea then. So mm. Greg is married to Gabby, and they were yeah. teaching in South Korea at that time. Yeah, I still managed to write some songs for that album and yeah. recorded some 
in South Korea and sent you demos. Yeah. yeah. The riff of No One Like, I think that came yeah. in South and, Korea. Uh, Didn't you play that on your acoustic guitar? Yeah. And um, what is the other one? Uh, the Not A Heart one. I can't remember the name. It Nothing Too to, Hard. Nothing Too Hard. Yeah, yeah. That one was written in Korea. Nice. And Hiding Place, yes. which came on For the next we album. Um, but I, I really, I'm, I'm building you up a lot, but I really do look up to you and I aspire to be like you, I think in pretty much every area of life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. (laughs) Um, no, really, Greg is an amazing father and husband and worship leader and friend, um, and Normally, once a year, we send each other really soppy birthday yeah. messages. <laughs> Indeed. Well, twice a year. Twice a year, yeah, yeah. Mine's coming up in a couple of months. Yes, I don't know I if know. you started writing. <laughs> <laughs> it better be a doozy this yeah, year. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, it's so funny to hear you say that because it's exactly how I feel about you. And I think, you know, often the biggest compliment people will give me after Sunday's set is like, wow, you really sounded like James there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I could say exactly the same thing. I'm really inspired by you and uh, often use you for myself almost as like a compass or a benchmark in a sense. Oh. Not not so much for ability and talent but more for your heart. Because there's not much of that. <laughs> no, no. That's an overflow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but really your heart and the way you lead and the, your priorities, yeah, really does sure. inspire me. But that's the amazing thing about friendship, I guess, mm. um, because that's exactly how I feel about you. Because you've over the years, you've helped me to keep the main thing the main thing, I would say. Yeah. Like whenever I want to wander too far from that, um, Greg is there to remind me what it's all about and who it's all for. Yeah, and that's funny. I mean, I feel the same and I often feel like that's my weakness. And I guess that's such a testimony of the importance of deep friendships. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you really do have the platform to speak into someone's life. And often that we feel like our biggest weakness, you know, often is the biggest strength in God's hands, for sure. Amen. Awesome, man. So um, today is really just a a conversation um, that everybody's going to get to hear. Um, Greg and I have done spoken a lot about songwriting in the past. Uh, He's got an amazing session at... uh, that's on the School of Worship videos. I really encourage people to check that out. Uh, I think your session's actually free, so anybody can mm. go and watch it. Really good, really useful stuff. Uh, recently, as in, in the last couple of weeks, we also released a, a video from a workshop, which we did last year. Um, you and myself, <clears throat> like a songwriting workshop. That was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, so there's a there's quite a lot of the kind of practical stuff around songwriting that we've spoken about. So I just wanted to have a chat about it um, to chat loosely mm. i guess around songwriting and, and anything anything else um, yeah but maybe firstly what what made you get into music in the first place like mm. i think i've heard one of the stories but i don't really know the <laughs> so many <laughs> no um mr ep boy yeah my my um i guess my love for music i think definitely came from my parents and especially my dad um he had a huge record collection and although he wasn't musically gifted at all like he just had a deep appreciation for music Mm. uh especially uh you know classic rock and a lot of like folky singer songwriter stuff you know bob dylan and jim croce and all of those kind of guys and then 
on the heavier side, you know, dire straits going all the way to Pink Floyd and Sabbath and Hendrix and Zeppelin, right. big Led Zeppelin fan. Um, yeah, so I think from a young age, uh, I just had an appreciation for music. It was always in the car. It was always at home. Did you um, have the same taste as him? Yeah, I guess to an extent your tastes are formed, I mean, at that young age mm. by what your parents are listening to. Um, I think the first album I ever owned I got for Christmas was a cassette of Roxette Joyride. <laughs> <laughs> and quite, quite a contrast. My first cassette was Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I think we had slightly different upbringings. <laughs> My first CD that I ever owned was Bon Jovi Crossroads. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, then uh, probably around about when I was about nine, uh, they kind of auditioned in a sense all the kids in the grade and kind of if you had some aptitude for music you know you played recorder or whatever this so was I've, like gray and p yeah. yeah so i started on recorder and then within a few months i moved to uh flute yeah and then it's <laughs> just all kind of picture you yeah player. i mean i'm very grateful for it now and, and i think yeah. that's where i really just learned the love of being in a band like yeah just being able to make a sound that's so much bigger than yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, how the sum of the parts, you know, is so much better than just the one part. Yeah. Um, so I played in uh, orchestra through school and did music theory. Um, and that was really a huge foundation for mm. me in terms of musical knowledge. Um, and then probably when I was about 16, actually it was my 16th birthday, I decided that flute was not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Convinced my dad to buy me a cheap electric guitar from a secondhand shop. Oh, wow. It was like 400 Rand or something crazy. Um, yeah, and just taught myself. I mean. What did you do in the days before YouTube? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was it was listening to albums. And then, uh, I mean, we had the internet. It was dial-up internet back then. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, uh, this is late 90s, probably about... 1998, 99. Yeah. Uh, so you could get tabs on the internet okay, cool. and then sit there and work out like how to play uh, big yeah, electric Ultimate guitar riffs. was probably going by then. I can't even remember what the websites yeah. were. I would just Google and then basically go and play a game of golf and wait for the site to load. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in two days. <laughs> um, yeah, and... Uh, the cool thing was, and I think, you know, where I really learned a lot was uh, all of my friends in high school were kind of doing the same thing. So, mm. you know, after school, I would go to a friend's house and five of us would be sitting there with our guitars kind of mm. working out a Pearl Jam song. And mm. then we'd all play it together as a band and played at one or two <clears throat> school variety shows and things like that. Um, but so there was just this constant organic learning happening the whole yeah. time. Like, uh, you know, you can do that. Oh, show me how to do that. And I learned how to do this this week. And um, so that, that was like a very quick learning uh, for me. Um, yeah. And, it, and then kind of moved into university and, you know, just met more and more people who had the same kind of love for music. And mm. it grew from there in terms of the music. Yeah. And that shift from like what you had been playing to worship. How was that? I'd love to say it was very natural, but uh, uh, I think because of my um, upbringing uh, as Catholic, uh, you know, it was it was super uncomfortable for me. I think the first time I experienced, you know, uh, 
Pentecostal charismatic <laughs> worship. Like I just, it was not in my frame of reference. Mm. Um, <clears throat> everybody kind of clapping. And I remember going to a camp once with a, a, a girl that I was dating at the time. Uh, and, you know, people were going up and speaking in tongues and falling over and interpretation of tongues and, it was freaky because no one, you know, had ever explained this to me. I didn't really know what was going on. But I, the amazing thing I remember after that night going back to my res at Stellenbosch was just this amazing peace. Oh. Um, and I know now that that was like, you know, just an encounter with the Holy Spirit mm. and, and him in worship. Um, yeah, and I think my kind of conversion moment, if you want to call it, that was really largely all around that Um I mean, in 30 seconds, it was really just me sitting in my room one Wednesday night and I'd borrowed a, a CD from a friend, one of those good old wow worship CDs. <laughs> I think it was 97. It was like the green one. <laughs> Weren't they all green? I remember them all being green. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, just because I hadn't really listened to, you know, Christian music. And yeah. uh, I just remember when the song hit, uh, it was Agnes Day by Third Day. Yeah. And that song oh, still man. has such a special place in my heart. Um, but just when the chorus hit, like uh, sitting in my room alone in res at night and just, uh, you know, experienced the presence of God for the first time. Sure. And uh, I think the only way I could really describe it is like everything I'd heard about God growing up, like in that moment, all of a sudden just became like as real as the bed that I was sitting on, yeah. you know, like yeah. he was actually real and... Yeah. He'd actually died and risen and, you know, he wanted to know me and have a relationship with me and just kind of broke down on the bed and went to tell my friend and, you know, oh. he ended up, uh, you know, taking me to the, the Bible study in res and just really walked a discipleship journey from there with, with him. Amazing. Yeah. And tell me songwriting, did you, had you <clears throat> written songs before you got saved? Um, I remember... Uh, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember writing a song... Uh, one December holiday, I must have been uh, probably about 17. Was um, that your first one probably? Yeah. I think it was something about sitting at a train station waiting, uh, you know, for a girl or something. I can't remember. <laughs> That's quite deep. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I must say, I mean, I I did write a lot of poetry in high yeah, school. Like okay. I had this little black book where I would write all these very dark and scary poems, <laughs> which were not inspiring to anyone else. <laughs> you know, going through that whole teenage emo thing. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed putting words together already. Yeah, okay. um, you know, so that was kind of fun. And then just adding the layer of music on top of that was quite fun as well. Would you say that that love for poetry and that that's kind of been a big part of your songwriting even till now? Yeah, I would say so. I think for me, words come a lot easier than melody. Um, and I, I do have a love for languages. So, yeah, I love playing around with words, yeah. um, rhyming and meaning and trying to find, you know, different words that kind of say the same thing. That's something I really admire about you. <clears throat> Greg will send me like whole songs that have no melody, <laughs> no chords, but it's just profound lyrics and I just want to like scream, yeah. <laughs> make a song out of it. Um, I think the difficulty is the moment I try and sing 
a melody on something I've written without a melody, yeah. it's impossible for me to change the melody. Like it just is stuck in my head. <laughs> this is how this chorus goes now. <laughs> and I, that's why I share songs with you just to try and break me out of that rut. So Yeah. yeah. No, I do want to speak about co-writing in a bit. Have I ever told you what my first song was? No, but I know Richard's first song. What is his? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That Ode was a... to Monsieur. <laughs> that, that is a podcast all on its own. <laughs> the dog that ran away. Yeah, with the Springbuck jersey on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then he wasn't waiting at a train station for the dog. No. <laughs> my first song, I was... So if, my, if, you, if I say that my first cassette was a Stephen Curtis Chapman cassette, then you get an idea that I had a pretty wholesome... and so you know i had this very pure like i grew up in a christian family it was really amazing but then my first song i wrote when i was about 10 and i still remember the words it was like really like dark not dark (laughs) not dark it was like speaking about drugs and don't hang out with people who want to stab you and (laughs) well it's a good message someone's got to say it someone's got to say it it just it was very unexpected i have no idea where my i don't know if it was like i was watching a lot of tv or whatever and then i ended up singing it at my mom's 50th birthday (laughs) she was so proud the son of hers started just started playing guitar and now he's writing songs and then you play her the song before you performed it i don't think i did Uh, (laughs) but you know what moms are like she learned from that lesson hopefully (laughs) she's always been very supportive um and in terms of maybe while we're speaking about getting onto songwriting, um, have there been any like who are your major influences in terms of songwriting heroes or or people that you yeah you look up to? Um, I think given my penchant to you know steer more towards lyrics than melody, I I love people who really go deep with their lyrics. Mm. Um, and especially you have the ability to kind of say something timeless and deeply profound in a fresh way yeah where you know what you know the truth that they are bringing across but just the way that they are or the angle mm-hmm. that they're bringing it across at is really inspiring um sure off the top of my head yeah i mean someone i always talk about john mark mcmillan i mean i don't love everything that he does but a lot of the stuff he does i think yeah. just the way that he approaches it is so cool very fresh yeah you can see he wrestles with lyrics like yeah to say something new yeah um yeah i mean i love um you know i love jeremy riddle uh yeah i think any any songs that that kind of do that the timeless in a fresh way um and that's got to be the one of the toughest things about writing songs for the church absolutely yeah i mean it's just uh, i mean feel bad calling it a market but i guess the christian market is just so saturated with music yeah and you know just trying to do that is is a huge challenge yeah i think also what can be a challenge is trying to you know you don't want to just say something new for the sake of saying something new um, yeah and so lyrics lyrics don't always have to be profound or, or deep but i think the the difference is what i said earlier with somebody who, who's just like wrestled through it mm. um and i don't know if you like how do you do that how do you wrestle with something i know you you're very hard on yourself to like i know you do a lot of kind of retakes of songs that you've written Mm. and go back and craft lyrics but what does that kind of process look look like for you because i know i know you're not doing it just to say something new but Mm. you really want everything that you write to 
really represents something that you've got a revelation of and not just something that you know you can write yeah. nice and quickly yeah i think i think the the saying something timeless in a fresh way is almost like the pen that you're writing the song with but mm. you know the idea and the revelation still has to be behind that pen mm. um and that's why i think the songs that uh, that i listen to that grab me the most and I'm sure it's the same for everybody. As songs you can identify with, where you know yeah. the person hasn't just written this to be clever, yeah, um, but they're really singing from a place of they know what they are saying because they've been through it, yeah. Um, and I think more than anything, I, I hope that's what I strive for in songwriting. I think my favorite songs that I've written, and there aren't too many, but uh, are those ones where you know that really move me uh, and are written from a place of maybe going through something hard or where you've really had a deep revelation of something. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's not something you can just manufacture. I think that's the difficulty. Mm. Um, but I think the more you practice, I think it is a craft, you know. I yeah. mean, the more you practice, uh, you can get to that place. But, yeah, I think that is that is the key. Because, you know, you want that conviction coming across in a song. Yeah. Um, you can tell when someone's being kind of disingenuous and not really being genuine. Yeah. What, saying, yeah. what, what would you say is your favorite song that you've written? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That is a tough one. Uh, I would like to say Hiding Place just because of what it represented to me at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was really a song of comfort, I think, when when we were going through quite a rough time. Um, so I'd probably say that one. Yeah, yeah. So that one, that was a that was a song. Were you in, you were you were in Korea when you were at that? Yeah, time? yeah. We just moved there, kind of uprooted our whole lives and moved there um, <laughs> to teach English. And yeah, we were staying in a fairly small town, and you know, just we're removed from any kind of support structure that yeah. we had at home like family and friends and church especially yeah. and we were both so involved in church and just kind of getting sucked out of that at a moment yeah. and really struggled there for probably four to six months to actually find a church yeah. um you know that didn't that had more than about six people in it <laughs> where they spoke english and yeah it was in that time where you know i was just like god why are we here and you know how are we supposed to get through these things? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really just that kind of image of the name of God being a high tower and a yeah. place where you can run to and that there's safety there. Um, and really just singing that for, for myself, almost yeah. to encourage myself in a sense, yeah, that God is our refuge and our strength. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's maybe a, a key as well, is, is really writing songs that you want to sing to God, not necessarily yeah, writing... Yeah, for the sake of of writing, but yeah, and sometimes I mean it, it's great to develop your craft to say sit down with someone and say, "Cool, we're going to write a song about the mercy of God," and yeah. it's awesome to challenge yourself in that way. Yeah. But I think coming back to what I said earlier, like that revelation and you know that that kind of seed that drops into your heart, like those are the most powerful. I mm. think. Yeah, it's amazing as well. I'm thinking um, there's a guy who I've been kind of. Walking a bit of a road with over the over the last uh, say four or five years, um, and he's for like five years back when I first got to know him, he started sharing songs with me, and they were always like 
catchy and a lot of potential, but like um, just, I guess, lacking in substance or, or weight to a sense. Um, and it's just been amazing to see being a part of his journey, knowing the rough stuff he's been going through, especially in the last like two years, mm. two, two and a half years. Yeah. And how suddenly his songwriting now, like when he write, when he said any song he shares with me now, I'm just like, dude, put that on an album. Like, yeah. It's incredible. It is. And yeah. it's like, like you said, with Hiding Place going through that rough, like our, our ability to worship and our ability to express ourselves in songs is so shaped by the trials that God allows us to go through yeah. because it, it deepens our, our worship. Yeah, massively. I mean, I think the thing that probably moves me the most, you know, is just seeing people, even on a Sunday, you know, leading or being in church where you know people are going through difficult things. Uh, yeah. You know, that there's no answer immediately and there's no, you know, way out, but yeah. still, you know, their hands are raised or yeah. they're on their knees just confessing the goodness of God. And there's so much strength in that and there's so much beauty in that. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, that just moves me so much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you until you started enjoying your own songs? <laughs> I'll tell you when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> so is Hiding Place the only one? <laughs> I said it's your favorite. It's the only one. <laughs> when, when I get your approval, James. Um, you know, I think... Uh, you have to be hard on yourself, but I think you also have to appreciate that songwriting, like anything, is a journey. Yeah. And your best right now is going to look very different to your best in a year's time. Yeah. And just being appreciative of that. Um, so, you know, measuring yourself against other people maybe is is healthy and good, but it can be quite destroying at times. <laughs> I don't compare myself to Phil Wickham or anyone like that. But, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of been my approach. I think because I am super hard on myself, uh, it's probably harder for me to enjoy my own songs. But I think I'm, I think you know. You know when yeah. you've written something and it's just like, wow, this is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. Um, and I often share stuff with my wife well often always um <laughs> songs and you know get her feedback so that's a good sounding board for me yeah and obviously you as well and yeah some other people yeah i think that's yeah for, for me it was also a journey of sure I, as i say i wrote my first song at 10 and i actually wrote quite a lot when i was a teenager yeah. um and then even in varsity but i think in the cross which i wrote mm. in my fourth year i think um, at university, that was probably the first song when when it was finished. I was like, okay, yeah. this is a song. If I ever do write a song like in the cross, I'll <laughs> yeah. let you know what that feeling feels like. Because <laughs> no. that is still one that and thank you. I mean, we still do a whole ton here. This is such just such deeply foundational and amazing yeah. songs. Yeah, but I think it was it was just interesting for me that there came a point where okay, I. St I I can start to believe that I'm a songwriter now. Mm. But it took, how many years was that? Like 14 years or, or yeah, whatever wow. to, to get there. Um, and I think a lot of people are sometimes discouraged when they just start off with songwriting mm. if they don't get great feedback right away. But sometimes it, it takes time to craft and uh, to grow in your craft to a point where you're happy because like yeah. you say, we're often our biggest critics. Um, and also just to go through life and stuff 
that gives us actual material to work with. Yeah, for sure. Um, I recently watched a Katy Perry oh, and, and a Taylor Swift uh, documentary, but just one of the things that they both actually said was like how important the breakup song is. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of true in, in a sense yeah. for worship as well. But I mean, in the sense that, you know, going through difficult stuff yeah, and how so many people identify with those breakthrough song, breakup songs mm. um, in the same way, you know, that kind of real connection yeah. uh, is important in songwriting as well for church. Yeah. Um, you mentioned now that you you send songs to 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 me, so let's let's maybe chat a little bit about about mm. co-writing. Um, I think that's been one of my biggest like joys uh, is discovering what it means to like work on something with somebody else. Um, mm. And I think people often think of co-writing as the let's get together in a room with a blank piece of paper and and try to write something, and that is one way. And some people can do that um, yeah, but it I, was the way 30 years ago <laughs> yeah. but I, I think you need a a, a lot of experience to, to yeah, do that um, definitely just because when i've it, it's difficult to you've got to kind of gauge the person that you're writing with you've got mm. to learn how to communicate you've got to learn not to be when to be sensitive and when to just say something as it yeah. is um, and so kind of an easy way into, into co-writing was, I guess, for us where we started just sending unfinished songs to one another. Mm. And that's still what we, we do today. Like, so as, as soon as I've got a, a part of a song that I really like, I'll send Greg a, a voice note and then wait anxiously. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he not replying? <laughs> um, <laughs> until he replies. And it's still, it's still tough to to get negative feedback like i mean i've been writing for so long but it's it's still it's still not easy but i don't know how how do you find how you, how are you able to get over the intimidation of of sending songs and opening yourself up to to feedback from people and even possibly yeah. negative feedback it's just because i know that i'm actually not that good <laughs> um yeah and i think uh, you know, we all are precious with stuff that we create because it's taken time and effort and, mm. you know, part of yourself is in there and, you know, you have given it your best shot mm. and then, you know, you hear back from someone, well, this could change and whatever and then you're like, well, that's just your opinion and they're like, no, it isn't and then, you know, you unfriend them. <laughs> um, but something that really changed the way that I thought about this was actually something I heard on a podcast last year. Uh, it's one of the guys from Hillsong's creative team talking about songwriting um, and just making the distinction when you ask somebody for feedback on an idea or a song, um, how our tendency is really that we, instead of looking for constructive feedback from the person, what we're actually waiting for is just a vindication of our idea yeah. For someone just to say, this is good enough yeah. or this is okay. And, you know, that will make you feel good, but it's not going to make you a better songwriter. Mm. Um, so That's why I don't send songs to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> She'll always make me feel good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As she should. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think humility is a huge part, obviously. Um, and knowing, you know, to my point earlier about the orchestra that the – 
you know, the sum of the parts mm. is is genuinely, generally always better than just mm. the one part. Yeah. And, you know, that what you bring to the table in terms of your relationship with God and the journey you've walked in yeah. songwriting and your life, you know, I don't have any of that. And, you know, adding what we have together, I find generally makes it much better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the whole learning aspect, I think – being teachable is important in anything you do in life. Um, you know, I saw this uh, something online the other day say, be brave enough to suck at something new. <laughs> and I think that's a really good attitude to have. Um, yeah. If you're willing to learn, you know, you're always going to learn. And uh, I think I've learned the most um, – from just being in the worship team, being in a band, you mm. know, and even before that, sitting around with my friends in high school, learning songs together, mm. that kind of organic learning um, is just where you learn so much faster, I think. And, yeah. and if you are teachable and open to learning. Yeah. It's the body principle, I guess, mm. that Paul speaks yeah, about. Like, exactly. Especially in church, it's something, I mean, I guess you don't really get like, um, Lone Ranger songwriter. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't really within church because then we, we're bringing such a skewed mm. perspective. Yeah, that's, that's possibly. Good. Um, whereas I think our songs are so much healthier, especially when we're talk, talking about songs that are meant for the congregation to be sung. Yeah. Uh, for the congregation to sing. Um, because, I mean, we don't need to get into that whole conversation about how the songs we sing shape our, our theology and our mm. understanding of who God is. Um so I, I just think there's such a safety in us submitting ourselves to one another. Yeah, definitely. And I know that's tough. Like I know it is tough. There's been I, I'm trying to remember which song, but I remember there was one song where you you went so stoked with with the change. Uh, on my song or yeah, one of, on your, one of songs? your songs? Uh, couldn't be that we cut out the whole intro of no one like. No. <laughs> I let that go a long time ago. <laughs> Maybe that's oh, what I'm, I'm trying to think on. now what it was. Didn't nothing too hard change as well? Yeah, it did. The the, the bridge the somewhere. Bridge. <laughs> oh, that was a good change. No, all your changes are good. <laughs> I'm just still amazed that you think that we write songs together, but really you write all the songs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite songs I've written with you is Christ Alone. Yeah, um, that was just amazing. It was an amazing how that came together. Day, yeah, because I had the the verse. What? No, I had the chorus. Yeah. And then I sent it to you, and you, I think, and I think I sent you a whole song, and you cut yeah, everything. Yeah, you did. It was like chorus. a slow kind of <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman falling asleep, <laughs> country twang. <laughs> but then we got together, and that was one of the few times where yeah. we've kind of got together. Although that's happened a couple of times as well. It happened with Holy Love now as well. We yeah, kind of got together to some degree, bashed some ideas around. Yeah, but that was I've never really had that again in another song where I had a verse and a pre-chorus and the chorus you had just like slotted in so <laughs> yeah, perfectly in terms of And then like we wrote the, the bridge theme. together. Yeah. That From cool. that uh, old story of the yes. Danish or yeah, missionaries. Mission. Yeah, that was a great story. Tell me what are you what are you writing now? What are you writing now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, last year uh, I, I watched a 
Ed Sheeran documentary uh, on Apple Music and was super inspired to write like a song. He did a song a day for years and I was like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I set myself the goal of like a song a week and I think I lost it about three weeks. And I actually went and listened this week back to those three songs and they actually were pretty good. They are so yeah. good. You need to. I was like, wow, don't need to fall by the wayside. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, I, I probably in the last five months I haven't really made any effort to write anything. Mm. Um, but actually just last week uh, started working on another song. Um, yeah, just kind of um, inspired by the promise of heaven, I guess, and, you know, what that means in a sense of no sin and no poverty and no disease and no temptation and what would it actually look like. So... At the moment, the song is called There is a Place, and it's just kind of talking about what heaven will be like, kind of as a real encouragement and hope that, you know, we're just passing through here. Yeah. Yeah. What, if, you've if you took such a, like, quite a long break from, from it and you weren't necessarily in a rhythm, like, mm. what was it that caused that one song to kind of come up and you're like, I need to start writing again? I'm not going to lie, and this is a super unspiritual answer, <laughs> but again, it was watching music documentaries. I don't know what it is. No, it's, it's just, very inspiring. I know. It is know. like, you know, you just put on Netflix and type in music on the search bar and there's just so many documentaries. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, wow, it's just such a gift to be able to make music Absolutely. and to be a part of a band and to be able to create something out of nothing. Mm. I mean, you know, that's a major attribute of god that we can kind of replicate yeah by his power um yeah so it was really that i was just like wow i need to and and often what will inspire me is just going to my phone and listening through a whole lot of old voice notes when i kind of had an idea yeah um yeah so i think that was kind of what it was i mean i feel like i need to clarify earlier i said um, you kind of you only need to or you just make sure you're right from place of revelation um, but there, there are definitely going to be times when you you just need to kind of put the discipline of, of songwriting in place and yeah. something like finding out what inspires you and keeps you motivated to write mm. um, is it's so important for all of us to find that whether it's watching music documentaries or or listening to fresh music like I find that, that's my my musical goal in life is to find some music that surprises me. Mm. Uh, and I find whenever somebody suggests an album or I find an album that I'm like, oh, I didn't see that coming musically, mm. then I, I want to write music. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Yeah, I think it's different for everyone else. I mm. think, you know, one out of a hundred, there are those moments where you just sit down and like you just feel as if like a song is literally being downloaded yeah. into your brain. Yeah. Like that's what happened for me with um, Christ the Lord. I mean, that song happened in 20 minutes. Yeah. And from what demo to album, minutes. it really didn't no, change. That's got to be my favorite Greg Boy song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, when those moments don't happen, you need to mm -hmm. have something to fall back on. And that's where the craft of songwriting, I think, and the discipline, yeah. you know. And I remember you were doing that at a time, you know, on Fridays when you had the day off or whatever, just to make like an hour or whatever to sit down mm. and just try and write something, just mm. to kind of hone that craft and to practice, yeah. which is really good, good what, thing to do. What do you do? Um, so Greg's got two kids, like hectic job, very involved in church, small group leaders, worship leader, all of that. Um, 
life is busy. Like, how, yeah. how do you make time for it? Well, I don't. <laughs> I just told you I haven't written a song in six months. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, um, I do I worked out, you know, actually quite by accident that our cars are completely soundproof <laughs> when our first daughter was screaming you know at like three months old and we actually just couldn't do anything to make her stop and then my wife went and sat with her in the car and I was like wow I can't hear anything <laughs> and so the car became my new studio for practicing guitar because the only time you can really do it without distraction is when your kids are asleep yeah so I will go and sit in the back seat of my car. I felt a rock set song coming on there. Um, and push the front seats all the way forward so I have some room and just sit in the dark and worship um, and, you know, record uh, what I'm doing if there's anything happening. But maybe on that point, and this is maybe a bit of a tangent, but I've just been, you know, the last while, I think I was listening to a Don Potter interview on another podcast, but um, just about how he, you know, would sit and worship for hours at his house. And anytime he tried to record it, like there would just be no inspiration. (laughs) And, you know, I think it is maybe a a bit of a side note, but just like, why are you writing? I'm being challenged by that. And, you know, even if this amazing song is just consumed in a moment in worship between you and God and it serves its purpose and nobody else in the world hears it. Like that's what it was meant to be. And just to be okay with that. Cause I'm so quick to, you know, the moment I feel like the spirit moving or, uh, you know, really getting a moment of inspiration. I like just quickly try and turn on my phone and then half the time, like that moment's just gone. Yeah. And then you not only lose the song, but like you lose that moment with, the Holy Spirit. Um, So that's kind of a challenge. I don't know how you kind of get around that. Maybe you just record everything from the beginning. (laughs) I haven't uh, got to that yet. Anyway. So why would you say are you still writing today? I think because, you know, walking with Jesus, I don't think is boring. Mm. And, you know, he's always willing to speak if we're willing to listen, he's always doing something and he's always moving. And, you know, there's always people who need to be inspired and who need to hear the gospel. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think, you know, something that uh, our friend Richard shared with me when he was at a Hillsong conference long ago that actually Stephen Curtis Chapman, did you see that full circle right there? <laughs> um, said at a Hillsong Shout conference. Steve. Yeah, man. Actually, one of the guys in our church has his signature acoustic oh, nice. tailor. And he I probably that, plays like They that only too. made like 50. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. Anyway, um, what he said long ago was uh, in terms of songwriting, uh, you know, he said, keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll never run out of things to say. Yeah. And that's kind of stuck with me. You know, I'd, I, there's no point that I could get to where I say, God, I know all of you. Mm-hmm. I know what you're like. You are finite. Um so I think as long as you're seeking God and growing in a healthy relationship with him, you're always going to be discovering new things about him and things yeah. that inspire you and things that you're just like, wow, yeah. you know, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Um, and it's those things that, you know, I hope that we can capture in songs somehow. Amen. 
for his glory. Yeah. I feel like, so I'm turning 35 in a couple of months. Um, I feel like the older I get, the more, the more I realize I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know the little bit I thought I know. I actually, I do not. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm one year ahead of you. So that's maybe why I do know that I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and again, just still astounded that you're my friend. <laughs> oh, Greg, thanks so much. Is there any last thoughts that you would want to share? Um, I was just completely blown away by um, a recent Jeremy Riddle um, interview uh, that he did on YouTube. And... Um, yeah, the the interviewer asked him, you know, what would your advice be kind of to the current generation of worshippers? Um, I'm just going to read this verbatim because it's just so good. So he said, uh, stay the course. Don't ever lose the heart. Don't follow the road most traveled. You don't need to. Stay close to the heart of the Lord. Keep in mind what the heart of worship is. There is so much distraction, so much pressure, so much stuff that is weighing leaders down as to what worship is. I see worship leaders all over burdened with so many other agendas, trying to be powerful, trying to sing songs of breakthrough, all these things. Just love Jesus. Love him so well. Adore him so well. If you love Jesus, if you make him your most precious and treasured possession, if you honor his presence and his activity in your midst, even if it costs you, you will be rewarded greatly with the most precious treasure that we have. It is his presence. Hmm. Oh, and, and that's it, man, just keeping the main thing the main thing. Hmm. Um, and maybe one last thing I'll say as a songwriter is just not to, to discredit or discount the power of your story and of your voice. Um, you know, nobody's walked the road that you've walked or has the relationship with God that you have or has been through the things that you've been through. Mm. Um, and just to be true to that and to be true to the fact that God has not made a mistake in the way that he's made you or, or, or you know, destined things for you to do. Yeah. Um, and to be confident and to be comfortable in that. Amen. Yeah. Yo, thanks, Greg. Thank you, Jimbo. I feel like I'm on the brink of tears again maybe we should write a song <laughs> <laughs> this can be a three-hour podcast <laughs> people listen to us hack our way through <laughs> let me just get my guitar <laughs> you didn't do it you promised an accent um <laughs> <laughs> performance anxiety <laughs> well, <laughs> well thanks jimbo it's been absolutely wonderful we being didn't on have the any podcast new, any new zealand popping up in our podcast no we didn't but i do need to get back to the lambs <laughs> so if you'll excuse me <laughs> okay. we'll save you bladen for next time indeed indeed <laughs> thanks greg and thanks so much for listening today and i trust it was encouraging for you look forward to the next one thank you for joining the spirit truth podcast check out chauffeurband.com for music and resources you can also subscribe to the podcast rate and review it on itunes and share it with your friends on social media